Well, what a privilege it is to come together as brothers and sisters. The people in this room are your closest relatives on earth because we all have the same Father and we have the same Spirit. What a privilege to be able to gather and worship our King like this in freedom. Let's thank the Lord for that opportunity. You know, brothers and sisters, there's about six important things that Christians need to talk about. Not just one time, not just two times, but they need to keep talking about them. And one of those important things is judge not. <laughs> judge not. He who speaks evil of his brother, he says, do not speak evil of your brothers. He who speaks evil of his brothers or judges his brother, judges and speaks evil of the law. And if you judge the law, you're not a doer of law, but a judge. And there's only one lawgiver, he who is able to give life and destroy, create and destroy, and who are you to judge your brother? And Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For by the judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And by the measure in which you measure another person, that same measurement will be measured to you again. And how can you, how can I, behold a speck which in our brother's eye when there's a log or a much larger speck in our own eye? And how can we say to a brother or sister, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. Jesus goes on to say, first, take the speck out of your eye. Take care of yourself. And then you shall see clearly to remove the speck which is in your brother's eye. To judge. To judge is to form an opinion about something and then to reach a conclusion, to form an opinion about something, and then based on that opinion, arrive at a conclusion. Now, is judgment bad? Is to judge bad? No. Every day we're called to judge things. We're called to judge, is the weather suitable for the clothing I have on? We're judged we judge, is the traffic suitable for us to get to A and B in this amount of time? We judge, do I have enough money to make it to the end of the month? And if not, how do I bridle my spending between now and then? There's many things that we have to make judgments on. And then we also have to make judgments about people in terms of their ability. We have to make judgment whether or not you think this person is able to have the endurance to run a race. We have to make an, a, a judgment whether this person is gifted in a way that they can work with children. We have to make a judgment whether or not you think this person has the strength to help you pick up a heavy rock it fell in front of your house. <laughs> we have to make judgments about people. But we make judgments about 
their abilities. Nothing wrong with that. It's part of life. But to make judgments about the character of another person, that's a problem. And that's what Jesus is talking about and what James warns us against. Do not make a judgment against the character of another person because you have no idea what you're doing. Now, you know, brothers and sisters, you could go into the worst prison in this country and you could interview the worst criminal and you could listen to his or her story and by the time you listen to his or her story of as a little child being abused, as a little child being abandoned, as a young person being abused, being abandoned, lied to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you could understand how this person made the decisions that they made to put them in prison today. You could understand clearly. Now, that would not excuse their actions. That would not excuse their decisions. But it would explain their actions, and it would explain their decisions. And the truth of the matter is only our Father knows you. Only my Father knows me. Only our Father knows everyone on this earth. And he's the only person that has all the information available to him, and he understands every one of our decisions. He may not excuse them, but he understands them. And then he looks at us and says, do not judge another man, do not judge a woman, because you have no idea what's going on with that person. Now let's talk, I want to talk about judging two groups of people. I want to talk about judging unbelievers, and I want to talk about judging believers. If you and I judge an unbeliever, we clearly do not have an understanding of the gospel. If you or I judge a man who does not know Christ, we clearly do not have an understanding of the gospel. Because the gospel says, by grace... You have been saved through faith. And that faith didn't even come from you. <laughs> it was God's gift to you. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. That's what grace is. Grace is God empowering you and I to do his will. And the first time you and I ever encountered grace was the day we believed but the only reason you ever believed or I ever believed is because he gave us a mind to understand. He gave us a heart to desire. And he gave us faith to accept what we heard. But you and I actually had nothing to do with it other than respond by grace to his invitation. Jesus says no one can come to the Father no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So can the unbelievers come to Christ unless he draws them? He says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. 
Paul says that you were chosen in Christ. Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the world was founded to be blameless and holy in his sight. And he destined you. He destined me. He predestined us in love to become sons and daughters according to his good pleasure, the good pleasure of his will. According to his will, he chose you, he chose me. Jesus said, to those he gave the right the power to become sons of God who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but by the will of God. By the will of God he gave those the right and the power to become sons of God. So if you and I are sitting in this room today in Christ it's because Father so willed it. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a couple verses in Scripture that talk about it's not God's will that any perish. There's about two or three of them. And there's a whole volume of Scriptures. Jesus speaks a lot of it. Paul talks a lot about, about God's choice. It's an irreconcilable, we cannot understand this. We cannot understand the sovereign choice, the sovereign will of God and man's free will. The greatest theologian in the world, the Apostle Paul in Romans 9, is dealing with this. He says, you know, God chose to hate someone and God chose to love someone before they were born. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And then Paul goes on to talk about the fact that God raised up Pharaoh to show himself, God, strong. (laughs) And then he says, you know, who can resist the will of God? But then Paul says, you know what? Who can question God? Doesn't he have the right to make one vessel for honor and one vessel for dishonor? Paul, the greatest theologian in the world, could not answer, did not answer the question. He just says, we don't question God. And the truth of the matter is, areas like this, the judgments of God are not to be discussed. They're to be feared. But the teaching in Scripture is very clear. You love him because he first loved you. He chose you. He foreordained that each of us in this room today would be his son and daughter. Those of us who have accepted him. So how? How can you, how can I judge someone who is not in the pale of salvation? Someone who God has not extended grace to. Do you know the sons of Adam every day do their very best? They do every day their best. They make the best decisions they can. But they are very different than you and I. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He took away your heart of stone. He took away my heart of stone. He gave us a heart of flesh. He wrote his law upon our hearts. He made us something that we were never before. Sons, 
and daughters. We have the same spacesuit that unbelievers have, but we are very different creatures inside. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, not a few things, all things have become new. It doesn't mean that Christians don't sin, but we hopefully sin less, and we have a choice. Romans 6 says that the old man was crucified in Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed. And you know what? That means that we as believers are no longer slaves of sin. We have a choice. We can, we can choose to live in the flesh and sin, but we can also choose to say, Holy Spirit, Father, protect me, deliver me. And we're delivered. We have a choice. But you know what? The sons of Adam on this world, they don't have a choice. They have no higher power to go to. They have no Holy Spirit to depend upon. They have no one to rescue them from their nature. And their nature is the same nature that you came in this world with, I came in the world with. It's the nature of Adam, and it stinks. It's got a, it has a deadly virus called pride. A deadly virus called pride. And what pride is, is wanting to be like God. Not in righteousness, but in power and in position and in activity. It's not wanting to be like good in the God in the greatness and in the goodness of his personality, but it's wanting to be like God in the greatness of his being. And we saw it in Lucifer. One day, Lucifer was leading worship in heaven, and he said, oh, I'd like to be like God. But he didn't want to be like him in the goodness of his personality. He wanted to be like God in the greatness of his being. And instantaneously, Lucifer and a third of the angels are cast out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw Lucifer fall like lightning from heaven. But that's what the sons of Adam have in them. It's only the nature of Adam. And they have no choice. So how can you or I judge a man who does not have a choice? We, brothers and sisters, are no longer slaves to sin. We have a choice. That is unbelievable. Okay, let's talk about judging believers. Oh, well, this guy's got a choice. You know, he's born again. <laughs> Have you ever met a believer that had some disappointing behavior? Have you ever met a believer who wasn't perfect? Have you ever had a believer who met a believer who struggles in his or her faith? Well, you know what the scripture says? You know what Paul says? He says to every man, to every woman, is given a measure, is given a measure of grace according to the gift of Christ. A measure of grace according to the gift of Christ. Now, what does that mean? That means that everybody doesn't have the same measure of grace. And what does grace do? Grace enables us to do God's will. But some people have a lot of grace, and some people, some believers, are given a little bit of grace. So we might have a man or a woman who has a, uh, a thimble full of grace. But that believer with his or her thimble full of grace is living out of 90% or 95% of the grace that's been given them. 
And they might be acting out really bad. They might really be stumbling along. They might really not look like they're walking the walk. But you know what? God looks at them. (laughs) He knows how much grace he gave them. And he might give them an A plus based on the grace they have. And you or I may have a whole swimming pool full of grace. And we look real good all the time. But you know what? We might be living out of 20% of that grace that's in that swimming pool. And when God looks at us, he's not the least bit impressed because he gave us so much grace. So when it comes to another believer, you and I have no idea how much grace another brother and sister has been given by Father. Do not judge. Do not judge. Do not judge a brother or sister. To judge a brother and sister, you're judging, first of all, a part, a member of of Christ's body itself. So you're judging Christ. You and I have put ourselves above the law, and we are judging our Savior. We're judging the amount of grace given to that person. We are judging God. And brothers and sisters, that is a very dangerous thing to do. You and I do not want to judge another believer. You and I do not want to judge an unbeliever. Oh, we can judge what they do is wrong. We can judge what they do is unacceptable. But we cannot judge them lest we find ourselves under God's judgment. And that, brothers and sisters, is not a place to be. Been there, seen it, done it. And when you judge another person, when I judge another person, at the, at the root of that is pride. And that doesn't come from the Spirit. That comes from that nature of Adam, that flesh. It's no longer us. It's sin that dwells in us, but it comes from pride. It comes from pride. The second you judge another person, the second I judge another person, when we put them down, we're putting ourselves up. And what does the Scripture say about that? God abases the proud. He exalts the humble. You know, Jesus tells the story of this Pharisee who came. And he's coming to offer his prayers. And there's a tax collector sitting over there on the front row. And the Pharisee just says, you know, I'm sure glad I'm not a tax collector. You know, I, I, I pay my tithe. I, I pray. I fast. You know, I'm so glad I'm not a tax collector. He just pried and looking down at this tax collector. And it says the tax collector couldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven. But he beat his chest. He said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Jesus said the tax collector, not the Pharisee, went away justified. And brothers and sisters, if you and I judge another person, we become the very person that Jesus really disliked. You become, I become a Pharisee. Because when you judge another person, when I judge another person, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, I thank you, Father, that I'm better than that. And you know what? Only by the grace of God 
do you and I not act out in terrible ways 24-7? Only by the grace of God. So do not. Do not judge anybody who doesn't know Christ. And don't know, judge anybody who does know Christ because you and I have no idea what we're thinking about. Our opinion and a nickel is worth absolutely nothing. Don't judge. Don't judge. Jesus goes on to say, if you see a speck in your brother's eye, go take the log out of your own eye, then come and try to help your brother. Now let me ask you, have you ever seen a speck in your brother's eye? First of all, it's always a judgment. I judge this person's in trouble, I judge this da-da-da-da-da. Why, in most cases, do specks in our brother's eye bother us? It's usually because we have the same problem. The things that we dislike in other people are usually the things we dislike in ourselves. First of all, we spot them just like that because we know all about it. Another thing about the speck in our brother's eye is that person has done something or not done something that is a disappointment or an aggravation to us. A disappointment or an aggravation to us. And what is a disappointment? A disappointment is our heart had an appointment with something that just disappeared. <laughs> our heart had a dis uh, an appointment with something that dis just disappeared. And when that happens, we become frustrated, become angry, we become fearful. This, this person, what he or she does or doesn't do, disturbs my peace. It, dis it disturbs my peace. Why does it disturb your peace? Why does it disturb my peace? Why does that person disturb your peace? Is because we're seeking our peace circumstantially. Now, we've discussed it here before, brothers and sisters. The greatest motivation force in the world is not money, sex, and power. The greatest motivating force in the world is fear. Every day, men, billions of men, billions of women get up and do things because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't, and don't do things because they're afraid of what will happen if they do. And what is the source of all fear? The source of all fear is insecurity. And what is the source of all insecurity? Well, it's that, in fact... We have secured ourselves in that which is not secure. So I remind you, the paraphrase on Matthew 6, Jesus says, in this world everything moves, everything breaks but me. Everything. So do not secure yourself in anything in this world where everything moves and everything breaks. Place all your security in me. I'll never forsake you or fail you. For where you secure yourself, there your heart will abide. And I guarantee you, if, if somebody does something or doesn't do something, it causes your hand to start shaking like this. That person just threatened something that you were securing yourself in. Something you were securing yourself in. So I'm going to give you a simple example. Let's say I secure myself in my values. Let's say I secure myself in my values. Is it good to have values? 
Absolutely. A man without values is a, is a body without a skeleton. You can't stand up. You can't function. You can't live without values. But if I secure myself in my values and someone cuts across my values, it shakes me up. And I find myself reacting, reacting judgmentally toward that person. It can be a political issue. It can be a social issue. It can be a moral issue. Whatever it is, if I'm securing myself and my values, I am very, very vulnerable to being disturbed by someone who does or doesn't do something that is contrary to my values. So let me give you an example. Let's say that this young man comes up to me and says, Rick, I understand you have 13, almost 14 grandchildren. And I understand that all of them are homeschooled. And you know what? I am really think that young people should learn at a very young age about alternative lifestyles. That men can marry men and women can marry women. I think you should just let them open their minds to this because that may be who's, what God has created, them, created for them. And as I'm listening to this, if my security is in Christ and Christ alone and not in my values, I can listen to this. And when he finishes, I can say to him, well, that's very interesting. Why don't you tell me more? And ask something about his life and something about his history. But if I'm securing myself and my values and he starts having this conversation with me, the first thing that happens is my ears turn red. My heart starts beating fast. And by the time he's finished, you know, I'm ready to just, you know, twist his head out or, or tell him, you know, how the cat ate the canary. I know that's hard to translate. Some of those people who offend us the most by their values are the very people who Christ wants to touch through you and me. And we cannot be used, we cannot be used in the life of those people if we are devastated by their values. And Christ does not want us walking around vulnerable in a world where everything moves and everything breaks. He says, just don't go there. Don't secure yourself there. Abide in me. Put all, look to me and me alone for your truth, for truth, life, for security, solace. Nowhere else. And then you and I can, we can be around the most unlovely people, the most messed up people. And never react, never judge. Because what they do or what they don't doesn't disturb our peace because our peace is in Christ. Fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about eye surgery, then we'll finish. If your child has ever come to you or someone has ever come to you with a little speck in their eye, you know that you have to have a very, very steady hand to get that speck out of their eye. A very, very steady hand. And if you're trying to get a speck out of your brother's eye, first of all, your hand has to be steady. But secondly, your eye has to be clear. My eye has to be clear to see that speck and to see where that speck is in relationship to the whole eye. But if my hand is shaken and I've got a big speck in my eye, what am I going to do when I try to help this person? 
I'm going to put their eye out. And you know what? I'm not really trying to help that person. It's all about me. Because what that person do, does or doesn't do bothers me so much, I just got to fix it so I'm okay. And how illegitimate is that? You fix it, you're not okay. You've just hurt somebody else. You just compound, I just compound the problem. Judge not. Don't judge believers. Don't judge unbelievers. Apostle Paul says, I don't even judge myself. Now, obviously, he judged his actions, but he says, wait until the, to, when God comes and the motives of the men, of hearts of men are realized, he says, I, I'm not even a good judge of my own motives. Let me pray. Father, there's not too many big things to talk about, but this is a big one. It separates us from you. It separates us from our brothers and sisters. It separates us from those who do not yet know you, who we need to be reaching out to. Father, help us so deeply understand your gospel. Help us so deeply understand that we are beggars reaching out to a king. And you gave us the heart to beg. And you gave us hands to reach out and strength to reach out. And you gave us a heart to accept you. And Father, we mourn today for those who do not know you. And Father, we mourn for believers who have little grace. But Father, use us to support them. Use us to encourage them. Use us to, to protect them. Those of us who have more grace. And Father, give us the grace never to ever, ever judge another man a woman, as long as we have breath on the face of this earth, because they are all your creation, objects of your love and understanding, and they had nothing to do with us. And you've called us to love them, to embrace them, to encourage them. We make this prayer in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.